With some practical wisdom to keep you safe when temptation comes, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You want to set your life up, I want to set my life up where if I am tempted in a particular area, I want to stay as far away from that sin as possible. I've met a lot of believers that will come up right to the edge and say, Ed, can I get this close to sin without sinning? How close can I get to sin without sinning? And I say, you don't even want to find that out. What you want and what I want, I want to stay as far away from sin in my life as possible. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's been said, great things are not done by impulse, but by a series of small, thoughtful steps in the right direction. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue in Romans 13, we'll be challenged in a practical way on the steps that will move us in the right direction, safeguarding us from sin that will lull us to sleep. To illustrate what's involved in this activity, here's Pastor Ed. Cast off the works of darkness. You have no room in your life right now. And so the question has to be asked, right? Is there something weighing you down? Something that's weighing on you? Something that's tripping you up and slowing you down? Is it a debt? Or more precisely, the attitude and lifestyle that you have that's always getting you into this debt? Is that holding you back? You're not even able to think about doing anything for the Lord. You're not even able to think. You got All you're thinking about is this weight of debt. It needs to be cast off. We've looked at that in depth in earlier studies. We can help you. Is it a, well, is it an anxiety? Is it just so you're so wrapped up in worry and fear that you're not even hearing from the Lord anymore when he gives you that gentle, quiet answer of trust me, son? Is it a relationship? Is that what's holding you back? I mean, did you enter into that relationship thinking, oh, being unequally yoked is, is not good for anyone, but it's okay for me? And now you're reaping the consequences of that? Is it a relationship that you need to let go of? A relationship, maybe not even in the realm of unequally yoked. You're just in a realm where you're surrounding yourself with people. And the Bible says that evil company corrupts good habits. Is that holding you back? Is it an old habit? Is it an old habit that you have been spoken to multiple times by the Spirit? And your answer is, I don't, I'm, I'm not getting rid of that. I mean, even as I share that right now, I say, hey, it would be really good for you guys to be lean in your spiritual life and start looking at habits that may not necessarily be sinful, but they definitely are helping you. And some of you, your response is, you know what, Ed? Don't judge me. Like, I'm not judging you. That's not my heart. But see, that attitude, even as the Holy Spirit's bringing something out in your life and that big defensive attitude and that just, I'm not gonna... Well, don't you think that's affecting other parts of your spiritual life too? Where the Holy Spirit's bringing stuff up in your life and, and you're answering God like, no, 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 I can't. No, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You don't want to have those kind of things lingering around your life. Is that weighing you down? Oh, I know it may not be sinful in and of itself, but boy, it sure can be heavy. Is it a hobby, a pursuit? Who knows what it is? Cast it aside. 
It was the great evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman that said, and I quote, anything that dims my vision for Christ or takes away my taste for Bible study or cramps me in my prayer life or makes Christian work and service difficult is wrong for me. And I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. And so you can hear the alarm clock from the Lord today. Wake up. We need to understand that the days in which we live are the last days. Urgent days. We need to hear and respond to the alarm. God's shaking you awake and maybe you're not liking it. Maybe you thought that sleeping was just fine. Asleep at the spiritual wheel, everything will just be fine. Maybe it's making you a little uncomfortable right now. That God would have in this section of scripture for us as a church right now, for you to be hearing this and saying, I don't want to wake up. I like life the way it is. But to be uncomfortable and having to examine your life right now is a good thing. It's good for us. It's good for us to step back and say, hmm, I wonder if anything is weighing me down. I wonder if anything is hindering me. I want you to notice there's some things here that he's very specific that trips up believers. He gives us six sins grouped into three groups. And we pick up in verse 13, he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, that's set number one, not in licentiousness and lewdness, that's set number two, and not in strife or envy, and that's the third set. So there are three sets of twos here that we want to really be mindful of. This is a message to believers. Now, these things trip up unbelievers too, but this is primarily a message to the church in Rome and by way of extension to you and I, the church here in Aurora right now. These things need to be cast off. The first two, revelry and drunkenness. These are party words. These are words from the party scene. They speak of parties and drunkenness and dance halls and places of temptation and things that Christians just really need to avoid and cast off. Places of great temptation, places of incredible sin and immorality. And for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not only do you not need to be in those places, but you don't need to be drunk there either. So many things happen when so many horrible sins are committed when under the influence of something other than the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed? It says, cast off revelry and drunkenness, the bars, the drunken parties, drunkenness itself, all of it. Just cast it off. Don't go there. Make a change. Be in a place where you evaluate where you go and what you do, not by what some pastor said, but by the word of God. I mean, is this really edifying for you? Is it really building you up? Is it really making you a stronger Christian? Is it really helping you to grow in the things of the Lord? If it's not, why are you doing it? Can you really ask the Lord that night before you head out to that party and you're planning on getting drunk? Can you really in your prayer life say, God, I'm heading out to this party. I'm going to get drunk and I have no idea what's going to happen. Are you okay with that? Is he going to really? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Go ahead, son. That's a great decision, daughter. Go ruin your life with a one-night stand. Go ahead. Cast it off. Get rid of it. Don't do it. He uses the word walk here in verse 13. It it refers to your lifestyle. Let us walk or let us live properly. You could circle the word properly right next to it and you could write the word right, R-I-G-H-T. Because you know there's a right way to live your Christian life and there's a wrong way. There are right decisions to make as a Christian and there are wrong decisions to make. I know our society doesn't like that. 
our society likes, well, whatever's good for you may not be good for me, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the Bible's clear. There is a right and there is a wrong. And there's even more so for us as believers. It's a right and a wrong. So he's saying right here, make sure you live the right way. Cast off drunkenness and all the things that go with it, all the parties and all that stuff. Cast it off. And then he comes up, number two, cast off lewdness and lust. While the first two words were party scene type of words, these two words refer to sexual sin of all sorts. Cast off sexual sin. All sorts of sexual immorality. Why? Because sexual purity is a place of strength. Sexual immorality is a great place of weakness. And God knew that. That's why he said stay sexually pure. Cast it off. Cast off sexual immorality. Stop it. End it. Cast it off. Put on the garments of righteousness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. About the last five to ten years, there's been this major, major sin sapping strength from the church. It's called internet pornography. Never has there been a day where pornography is more accessible than it is right now. You can get it in many of forms. And many guys and gals are dabbling Christian men and women are dabbling and falling headlong into internet pornography of all sorts. And it's not good for you. But you don't need a pastor to tell you that, do you? You know it's not good for you. You know it's hurting you and harming you. You know it's perverting your mind. You know it's drawing you into a place of great condemnation. You know. You see, at this point you think, some of you are like, well, you know, I I agree with you, Ed, but, but I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to get rid of it. Well, listen, for those of you wrestling and struggling with internet pornography, what you need to do is you need to heed the words of Jesus when he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So if you're having a difficulty with internet pornography, call us in the office. We will go out and buy a special pair of scissors just for you. And we will come to your house and we will snap the cable right from your home. You're not going to get it there anymore. You're not going to bring it into your home anymore. But you know, when that counsel comes across our desk, as it does sometimes, sometimes you just got to radically take care of it. And we'll go, hey, man, let's just go cut the cable. We'll call your company. We'll cancel your account. You know what we hear? We hear things, oh, no, Ed, you can never do that. I got to check my email. Really? So you really want to get out from under this internet sexual sin, but your email. Or, you know, Ed, you can't do that because I need this. Or I, and, and there's a battle going on just from the spirit and the flesh. I mean, this stuff is destroying your life. Do you not care enough to see the times in which we live to get rid of it? Get rid of it. It would be good for you. Oh, maybe it's not internet pornography. It, it affects a lot of people, but maybe that doesn't affect you. Maybe for you, it's that whole flirtation thing that you're into. Because, I mean, you've always been a flirt your whole life. And now as a Christian, I'm sure you can fit flirting in somewhere, right? You know, it's just flirting. It's not leading to anything. You know, it's just a little look, a little note, a little word. Really, it's not leading in anything. Are you deceived? That much, do you think? I mean, think about it this way. Maybe it's a guy, you're a guy, and, and, and you go, well, you know what, I'm a flirt. I've been a flirt my whole life. It's never led to anything. Great. Well, would it be possible for you like, to take your wife to work one day, just have her next to you and say, hey, honey, see that gal over there? She's pretty attractive to me. Think I could wink at her a little bit, maybe send her a little note, put a flower on her desk. What do you think, honey? You can hear her, right? <laughs> Whoa, man. What are you talking about? How disrespectful to your wife and to your husband. What do you think? Flirting's going to lead you to Bible study? Is that what? I just want to get her attention. We want to study the Bible together. No, you're dabbling in sexual sin. 
It's going to lead you to that. Maybe you're that couple that moved in together thinking, hey, we're going to get married one day. You know, the economy's tight and we really can't afford two apartments, so let's just live together. And you put yourself in a position where, number one, you're not honoring God. You're giving the appearance of evil to everyone in your neighborhood. And you're also putting yourself in a place of great temptation. Oh, no, Ed, I live upstairs and she lives downstairs. All right. Sure. Great temptation. Why don't you just move out and honor God? You're staying up late and watching movies and, uh, you know, you're, you're messing around with sexual sin and you're dishonoring that man and that woman in your life. The Bible says that we're to look at those sisters in the church as sisters. We're to look at the brothers in the church as brothers. We're not to take advantage of them, especially sexually. You know, to cast these things off, you're going to probably have to make some tough decisions. What you see, what you do, where you go. But that's the times in which we live, church. Can't be messing around with this stuff. Our offices all week, all the pastors, all the women council, all of us, we are dealing with the effects of that little flirtatious look and where it ended up. The broken homes. The kids crying over the separation. And so today the Lord would say, wake up. You don't have to go there. It doesn't have to end up that way. Those of you that are in the midst of difficult times, you know you just need the grace of God to get through. I I know many, many people that if we were to talk to them and sit them down and say, oh, did you know this was taking you there? And they might say, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But if you had the chance, would you go back and do something differently? You know what they'd say? Yes. And now's the time. Cast off this lewdness, this perversity, this sexual sin. And then the third one, We have words in the party scene. We have words describing sexual sin. And then the third one is more of a personal thing, not in strife or envy. These are fighting words. (laughs) These are inward harboring grudges and you want to fight. You know, you seem to be always on edge. Nobody, you don't seem to agree with anyone. You're always fighting. You're always upset. You're always putting someone down. Why? Because bitterness has taken root in your heart. They go, oh, Ed, come on, man. Bitterness is no big deal. It's just between me and the Lord. No, no, no. The Bible says that when bitterness takes root in your heart, it defiles you and it defiles many. To think that it's not going to affect the people around you, of course it's going to affect the people around you. And and strife and envy and wanting what other people have and not satisfied with what you have, anger toward a brother or sister, you know, harboring bitterness, it all needs to be cast off. It's not healthy spiritually for you to be in the same room with someone that you don't like, that you're not showing Christian love to. You might just need to step up and go across the room and say, you know what, I'm sorry. What can we do to work this out? I can't live this way anymore. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's so important for us. Now, back in Romans 13 as we wind up, verse 14, we cast these things aside and now... He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Be clothed in Jesus, covered by his love and his righteousness, abiding in him, he abiding in you. Our identity, who we are, is not by what we do in this world or what's happened to us. Our identity as Christians is in Jesus. Tough times, we're in the Lord. Good times, we're in him. In between times, We're in him. And so put on the Lord, just like right now. You're putting on a layer of the Lord in your life right now. 
just sitting here receiving Bible study, reading your Bible, singing songs to him. You're putting yourself in a place where that abiding presence of Jesus becomes stronger in your life. These are the last days. It's time to wake up. Casting off the works of darkness. Don't give even one inch, one centimeter to your flesh. That's what it says. Make no provision for the flesh. I thought about those that go on diets. I think all of us have been on one at one time or another, and you go on a diet, and you're just really committed. You know, you want to lose a few pounds. You want to do it right. And so you want to be careful not to make any provision that would hinder your diet. You don't want to make any provision for the weakness of your flesh. And so let's say you struggle with a few foods like Snickers, M&Ms, and Milky Way. Right? So the last thing you want to do is go down to Costco and get a few boxes of those and hide them in your cupboard, right? Because there you are. You're committed. You're eating right. You're exercising. But you wake up at 12 o'clock at night and you're like, I'm hungry. And so you go down into the kitchen and you start looking at things and you... On the one hand, you got lettuce over here, and on the other hand, you got a box of Snickers. What do you think you're going to go for? Yeah, you probably so would I. You don't want to make provision for yourself to fail. You don't want to set yourself up to fail. When you're on a diet, you don't want to put a bunch of candy and junk food in the cupboard. You want to empty that thing out and put the right food there so that even if you are tempted to eat something, even when the temptation comes, there's nothing there for you to fulfill the temptation. That's what he's saying here. Don't make provision for your flesh. That even when the temptation comes, you don't have things set up where you can always, well, you can always jump back into sin very quickly. You want to set your life up? I want to set my life up where if I am tempted in a particular area, I want to stay as far away from that sin as possible. I've met a lot of believers that will come up right to the edge and say, Ed, can I get this close to sin without sinning? How close can I get to sin without sinning? Can you show me? And I say, you don't even want to find that out. What you want and what I want, I want to stay as far away from sin in my life as possible. Listen, when I read the scriptures, when I put a Bible study together for us, as I pray through the text, the first person that comes to mind is not you. It's me. When I read this text and I study through it, I, I read it and I go, wow, I'm not naive enough. And I thank God for his wisdom, his understanding. I'm not naive enough to think that I'm above any sin in my life. That I might, with a few bad decisions, become that pastor with the headlines in the Denver Post that says, another pastor bit the dust because of, and then you fill in the blank of whatever sin it was. And so I know in my life, I don't want to make any provision for my flesh. I don't want to mess around with it. Now, that's not just because I'm a pastor either, because I'm a believer long before I'm a pastor. I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a friend. And I know, I, I know, I can't trust my heart. I can't trust my carnal thinking. The Bible tells me, apart from Jesus Christ, my heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? The Bible says, but I, the Lord, know it. And I realize that we're all susceptible to sin and that given the right moment and the right temptation and the weakness of our flesh, if you're feeding your flesh, your flesh is going to get stronger. If you're filling your mind with all these things that feed sexual sin in your life, where do you think you're going to go? Where do you think you're headed? Do you think you're headed towards spiritual things? Do you think it's going to really help you? Do you really think you're becoming a stronger Christian? You're not. 
But when you cast off the works of darkness, you immediately give God a chance to work in your life. You immediately present yourself to him and say, God, I'm ready. Just like I was when I was a new believer. I cast my life on you now just like I did then. Take me. Use me. Pour your spirit out upon me. Make no provision for the flesh. None. Zero. But the sad thing is, is I realize that many of you are. And you're falling asleep spiritually. And as you fall asleep spiritually, your kids are growing up. Your life is just continuing on. And you're not a vessel that God has been using because you're in the flesh all the time. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. Everything else is going to be burned up. I remember learning this lesson so clearly when I was in the corporate world. In the corporate world, I moved from office to office very frequently, from department to department, from location to location. In those early days, when I first got the job, I was so eager. I ran all the reports. I did everything my boss wanted me to do. I'd have stack and stack and stack and stack of reports that my boss asked for me, wanted from me. I'd stay up all night working on them, laboring over them, missing sleep, drinking coffee all night. I'd turn them in. They'd say thank you, and they'd give them back to me, and I'd file them just in case they'd ask me to do it again. I didn't want to do the work again so I'd file them and my desk started getting full of all these projects all this paperwork I remember the first time I had a desk full of old projects old paperwork just sitting there and I remember the first time my boss came in and said Ed we're moving you you're going to go to another office clean up this office get ready to move to the next one and so I did I started to look at everything in there and I started to empty out my desk and I came across all these reports you know what I did with them I threw them away. All that work and all that time was just set aside for whatever was up ahead. You know, only what's done with Christ is going to go up ahead. Only what's done for Jesus is going to go up ahead. You dabble in things that aren't spiritual. You don't redeem the time. You're going to find that you're going to be greatly disappointed as your life wasn't invested in the kingdom. It was just spent. And I believe God would not have us just to spend our lives. He would have us to invest our lives, to be good stewards, to cast these works of darkness off, to wake up out of sleep, to make no provision for the flesh, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to stay as far away from sin and temptation as possible, to not feed our flesh, but to feed our spirit. I don't want to feed my flesh. I don't want to excuse my flesh. I want to crucify and I want to reckon the old man dead. And that becomes a vessel, that person becomes a vessel that God can use greatly, that God will use greatly. Living and walking in purity, walking in holiness, moving forward. Though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. It's time to rise again and move forward. Not looking back over our shoulders toward condemnation, but looking forward what God has for us up ahead. So maybe your life is characterized by that desperate, full of reports that got thrown away. And you can look back at year after year after year that really wasn't invested in the things of God. Okay, then let today be the turning point in your life where you're open and you're ready to throw yourself completely upon the will and the mercy of God and let the change start today. It's never too late to step up, to wake up, and to move forward in the things of God. Amen? Amen. A good word there from Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Trust you're encouraged to move forward in what the Lord has for you. Time is of the essence. 
If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 